1: The ushers are gonna receive the offering now. But while they're doing it, I want you to stand for about five to seven minutes and um, they can pass that. And I really believe that I was on a plane this year. Monday, I flew out. Tuesday, I had to come back. I got the first flight out at 6 a.m. And the last flight home, I got back about 12.30 at night. And uh, on Tuesday, but I had two straight days of meeting for the World Pentecostal Organization with the top leaders from around the entire globe that were all in there because Canada is hosting the first ever World Pentecostal uh, uh, conference over in Calgary, Alberta. We've got all the hotels all downtown and it's going to be huge. It's it's a major, major event. It's way beyond uh, anything that I've ever done before and probably a budget of over 10 times, uh, 20 times higher than anything I've ever experienced. But God has been good, and it's all coming together incredibly well. Amen? But on the way there, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and on the way back, I had uh, no interruptions at all. I actually got bumped on the way back to the front and was right over on the window, and and I just felt the Holy Spirit just began to download. And I really felt strongly it's the direction that we're going to be going in the service today because we're talking about being led by the Spirit. Amen? So I'd like everybody to stand for a moment and I'm just going to obey what, what I believe the Holy Spirit told me to do, was to read his word to you for a few minutes. Come on. I'll say it again. Read the word of God. Amen. Now, understand as we read it, this isn't Rick's words. These are God's words. And God's word, it says, is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. There's a conviction that actually fell in the first service over here. The place was many, many more people were here, that the first one, than the second but the Holy Spirit just fell and started ministering the hearts just as we prophetically read the Word of God. Amen? So these were, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit said. He said, there's warnings in Scripture, Rick, that you're not hearing much preached on today. And he said, just tell the people what my Word has to say and read it to them. And that's the only instruction that I had. So... As scripture after scripture started coming to my mind and I just started writing because I didn't have the internet to search it all on up there, but I just started writing the things down and started highlighting them and pasting them. And he said in 2 Timothy 2.19, but God's truth stands firm. Like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Revelations 21.27 Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, to acts of love, and to good works, which literally prompted the service for today. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have sinned, after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Now understand the Hebrew believers, to go back to the law was the opposite of everything that Christianity was bringing forth in the first century. Amen. And many were going back to the sacrifices. Many were going back. And God said, there's only one way. There's only one blood uh, sacrifice that was made for the atonement, for the covering of all the sins of mankind. And how many know it was the cross of Jesus Christ? So he's saying, if you go back to works, you go back the other way, you're missing the whole purpose. And so the writer says over there, It says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take vengeance... And I will pay them back, he also said. The Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 1 Peter chapter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. 1 John 2, 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. And those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 2 Peter 2, 9-11 So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling 1 Corinthians 11:27 to 34 so anyone who eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord that is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup for if you eat the bread of drink, or drink our bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that's a present participle in the first person. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Ecclesiastics 11:9: Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it and do everything you want to do. Take it all in, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. And finally, I'm going to read the Book of Jude in its entirety, and then I'm done, because the Book of Jude brings something out that is totally amazing to the church today. It's very relevant about the coming. And the writer says this letter is from Jude. This was the brother of Jesus. We know that Mary and Joseph had children that were there and the Bible, names them James and Simeon and Judah. They were all there. This is him. And he writes and said, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, everybody says he's talking to us. He said, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation that we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time, notice to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly, when it speaks of ungodly, it means the lack of the fear of the Lord. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you Though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority, or in the boundaries of authority in the spiritual realm that God has set up. God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prison of prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of the eternal fire Of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams, they live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuked thee. And this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. And what sorrow awaits them, for they follow the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion." And when these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves, and they are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruits and have been pulled up by the roots." They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds, and they are like wandering stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people and said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And now he describes what these people are and who they are. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. And they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, everybody look at your neighbor and say, this is us. You, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life in this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment and show mercy still to others but do so with great caution hating the sins that contaminate their lives and now all the glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. And all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all times. And everybody said, amen building yourselves up i want the saints today to pray in your heavenly language we're a church that believes in speaking in tongues not talking about it but doing it and everybody's going to build yourself up in your most holy faith now by praying in the spirit come on hold up let it out loud if you're not baptized in the holy ghost baptize them now god Come upon everyone say it out loud come on bashanda we're not afraid we're not ashamed of the truth we are a tongue talking holy ghost spirit filled believers that are built up we're not weak sweep over sweep your house Sweep the floor clean today, God. Sweep the hearts of contamination. Speaking in tongues helps you to keep yourself from the contamination of influence of the world. It charges your spiritual man from the inside. Your spirit prayeth and your mind is unfruitful because you're in direct communication. With God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we say take over. We say, Holy Spirit, help us to uproot the things. Empower us by your grace to uproot the strongholds, to uproot the bitterness, to uproot the grudges, to uproot the things inside of our lives, the hurts that would separate us, that would be the walls of indifference between us. Us that would separate us from you. God, breathe afresh into the vessels. Fill them up, Father God. Fill up the ones that are dry. Fill up the ones that are empty. Fill up the vessels today, Holy Spirit, Pour it into their lives with fresh oil. Bring a fresh rain to the barren, to those that have been in a dry season, God. May there be an incredible outpouring for those that are in a struggle, those that are in a spiritual battle. Father, we spring the errands and the hers alongside Ebedeondah to lift them up, to hold them up, to strengthen their hands, to strengthen their arms. And we thank you, Father God, for the warnings that your word has given us. We thank you, Father God, for the examination that your spirit has told us about every time we eat the bread and every time we drink the cup. And you thank you, Father God, that we're examining ourselves today to see if we are in the faith, to see if our faith is real, to see if our faith is genuine, to see if our faith has corresponding actions. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name name.
0: And everybody said, amen. Amen. Go. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Well, you know, we're talking about, you know, what he just read. How many know that we live in a real world that is in a war against the kingdom of, the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God. And we battle that good and evil all the time, every day of our lives. We, you know, we can't ever escape that war. I remember years ago, as a young Christian, I thought, I don't want to be at war, you know? But nobody has that choice. We're at war, period. You're either on one side or the other. And that's what this world is all about. And part of the reason so many people get so discouraged and uh, devastated in life is they don't understand that. They don't understand that there is a war going on inside of every human being. And in our world, in our countries, and, you know, it's it's there all the time. And and there's always the battle between good and evil. And it just exists. And and so we have to understand that we don't have to do this battle alone. We do it with God. And, His. you know, we have his Holy Spirit to help us and to empower us and to show us and give us wisdom. And he's given us all the tools we need so that we can get through this life in victory and not in defeat. Now, you may have days of defeat. You know, we all have those days sometimes where things just don't go the way we thought they would, and we go through seasons where all hell breaks loose in our life, and we don't, you know, we don't know what's going on, and it just seems like everything's confusing, and, and, you know, that, but that's what life is all about. We have to understand that. If we just expect life's going to be a bed of roses, and, you know, God's just going to do everything we want, when we want, how we want, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. And one of the biggest issues that we all deal with is, you know, we have families, we have relationships with people, and we often get hurt by our families and by people in our lives. And, you know, because of sin, because of the war that's going on, things happen that cause people to hurt one another. Now, I know that everybody here, you know, you have a family. But how many here can honestly say, is there anybody here that can say they've never been hurt by a family member? or disappointed. I don't see any hands up. So we can pretty well agree that as human beings and in relationships, we hurt each other. And uh, we do it all the time. Not always intentionally. It could be just false expectations. It could be differences of opinions. And, or it can be just blatant outright sin where people do things that totally, totally devastate us or hurt us in some way. And you know, when you have children, your children are a part of you, and obviously we all have expectations for our children, but sometimes, you know, when they grow up, they don't always go the way we want when we want them to, or they go through things. Now, God gives us promises, you know, for our children that if we raise them in the ways of the Lord, when they are old, they are old, they will not depart from it. But sometimes they have seasons where they might depart from it. and um, But I know just from experience here and having talked to parents and, and different people that go through things, whether it's a child or whether it's a marriage, whether it's um, just a relationship that you've had, where people will come sometimes and tell you things. Like I've had parents where they will, you know, one of their children will come and tell them that they are living a lifestyle completely the opposite of how you raise them and doing everything that you raised them not to do. And how many know that breaks your heart as a parent? And how do you deal with that? Or maybe you're married and you found out that your spouse is having an affair. How do you deal with that? How do you forgive? How do you love? How do you do what God wants you to do in situations like that? You know, people get betrayed all the time People get hurt and disappointed. Maybe, you know, you found out somebody you love is on drugs and and you love them so much and you want to help them so much, but they don't want help. And they're, you know, you can't do anything. You don't know what to do. And so we live in a real world where people are dealing with real issues. You know, some people have someone in their family that maybe has a mental illness of some kind. It could be an addiction. It could be so many things because we all have people that we love that are making bad choices or maybe doing things that we don't like or that we know are going to hurt us or hurt themselves and and we don't know how to deal with it now i'm going to say something we are called and one of the reasons i wrote the book 101 reasons to live a cross-centered life is so that we can understand that without god we cannot love like god love and we cannot forgive like god forgives and we cannot even be healed of our hurts the way god wants us to without him and the cross is the standard that god set for us to love people see you know, some people, when they have someone in their life that hurts them or devastates them in some way, they just, and some Christians, especially if they're living uh, an immoral lifestyle or doing something where it goes against our our uh, values, our core values, and they, you know, maybe you have a child that has chosen to live, you know, they come to you and say, well, I'm doing this. Maybe your daughter came home and she's pregnant and she's pregnant with some guy that you don't like and um, you know that you think he's bad news or maybe you know they they've decided to live an alternate lifestyle and and everything in you is devastated what do you do how do you deal with that person some people make the mistake of okay you're not gonna uphold my values you're out of my life and they won't have anything to do with them but what does the Bible say Christians are known by our love And yet, sometimes Christians could be the most unloving people and the most judgmental people on the earth. And yet, that's not what God says. Jesus, when he was on the cross, loved the people that crucified him to the cross, which was us too, because it was our sin. He loved them anyway. Now, how how do you navigate between loving people and not accepting their lifestyle choices? are not, you know, condoning them. And and you can do that. And that's what you need to know how to do it. See, we are called to God has called us to do a couple of things. Number one is we are we are the light in the darkness. We're the ones that are called to let people know the way of God, the way the word of God, the kingdom of God. We are called to show people and tell people about the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And we are called to love people. We are called to bless people as much as we can. And we are not called to judge people. That's not our job. That's God's job. God is the one that's the judge. Now, I have a home, and if I have children living under my home, I have rules and guidelines that I uphold in my home. And as long as they're living under my roof, they have a responsibility to obey my rules, right? Right? which would be according to God's standard. So I have that responsibility. Now, if they don't want to obey those rules, they're free to leave. I still am going to love them. So you do have to set um, standards. You have to uh, have boundaries. You have to have even consequences. That doesn't mean you don't love somebody. But you don't... And the reason why you should hate what they do is not because, you know, it's not they're not living up to your standard. You should hate it because you know that the choices they're making are going to hurt them and others and that's because you love them right you love them you don't want to see them hurt now they may get angry and upset at you by your standards and that's okay but once they leave your home they are free to do what they want and you no longer have a right to instill any of your values on them you you know you can let them know where they are and, um, and I'll put it this way, I, I had a, a, a somebody that I was close to that was living a, a lifestyle I didn't agree with, and so I met with them, and I had a conversation. I was only going to have this conversation with them one time, and the conversation kind of went like this. I said, you know what, I want you to know that I love you, and nothing will ever stop me from loving you, and I always want you to be a part of my life. However, I do not agree, and I need to tell you this, and I'm only telling you this one time. I do not agree with your lifestyle choice. And I will never agree with it. And this is why I will never agree with it, because it doesn't line up with God's word. And I don't think it's God's best for you. And I am not going to agree with something that is a violation to the word of God. So I just want to set that straight. Now that said, I still want you to be a part of my life, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to spend time with you. I just don't want you to mistake me doing that as condoning your lifestyle, right? Right? And so that way they know what I stand for, but I'm not pushing them out of my life because I still want to love them. I still want to demonstrate them the love of God and and, uh, be there for them because what are you going to do? I know many parents that have come to us where they've had a... A daughter that was pregnant and she wasn't married and they didn't know how to deal with it and you know what your your job as a parent is to just love them most of the time they know they've done wrong you know and then when that baby comes into the world you don't reject the baby because it's still your grandchild right you still have to love the baby and be there for them but that does not mean you're accepting the bible says we love people but we hate the sin and we hate the sin because god hates the sin and god hates the sin is because he knows what's best for us he created us he knows how this world and this life really should work more than we do and he knows that often the choices people make are only going to hurt themselves they're only going to hurt the people around them and that's why he hates it so much it's not that he's this awful judgmental god that just wants us to have everything you know his way that's not the way it is his way is the best way That's right. for us to have the best life. That's what it is. But we all fall short. Every one of us. I, don't, I guarantee you, every one of you has sinned in the last 24 hours. <laughs> whether it's in your thoughts, whether it's in something you said, whether it's resentment that you've harbored in your heart towards somebody, or maybe you have a secret sin, something that you do that nobody knows. Maybe you went and ate half the pie. <laughs> well, you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Not looking at him. <laughs> um,
1: There's a look of love, guys. You up.
0: know, we have girl time coming up, and I'm just going to give this to encourage you. Our job is to love people and to pray for people not to judge and condemn them. Now, we also have, obviously in the church, we have a certain standard for leadership and for certain things you have to do. So people, sometimes if someone gets caught up in sin and, and it's our responsibility to talk to them about that, not to shame and humiliate them, but sometimes they may have a consequence. They might have to step, step out of a position for a season until they get help. That can happen. But And, and you, as an individual, if you've sinned in a way that would bring about a consequence, you need to accept your consequence. Giving a person a consequence doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. But sometimes it's necessary. But ultimately, God will judge people and judge the motives of their heart, judge the condition of their heart, and that's not our job. And so we shouldn't shame and put people down because they've done, you know, we have girl time coming up and my daughter, Tara McDonald, she's uh, teaching on the part of dream big, you know, and uh, there was a time when she was my worst nightmare. I'm just being honest. Don't tell her I said that, but she might even be watching us live stream, but anyway, it's okay. Because she was living her life the opposite of what we taught her. And I bet there's lots of people here that you, you have people in your life like that. And, and it was devastating for us. And it was causing a lot of strife and problems and fights. When she was living under our roof, you know, there was a lot of arguments and, you know, strife over it. And then when she went out on her own, you know, it was heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see one of your children do things and make decisions that go against your, your values. But you still got to love them, right? You've still got to reach out to them. Now, the good news is she's serving God today. And, um, you know, she has a great job in downtown Vancouver helping uh, women, homeless women, and women struggling with addictions. And and uh, and she's over a team of women, of about 30, 25 to 30 women. And and uh, and the organization that she's with, they want her to get ordained because they listed her as the pastoral care of the woman in that ministry. And so from where she was back when she was in her teens, it looked dark. It looked hopeless. It looked hard. It, you, know, you, 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 have, you know, you may have somebody that you love, that you're, they're living in a way you cannot possibly see them changing in the natural. But if you trust God and pray for them and you love them, and you, you know, hate what they're doing but love them, God will give you the ability to have faith that God will bring a better day for them. And, and, uh, and God will bring about healing, and he will do it in any relationship. But if you totally wipe, you know, write them off, see, the cross is our standard. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them. If you have unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness in your heart towards anyone because you're hurt, And hurt is real, but you got to surrender it to God, and you got to ask for his love for that person to overflow from you into their life. So the love of God is more powerful than anything else, and we are only called to love God and love people. That's what we're called to do.
1: Well, let's pick up in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10 in the Amplified Bible, and we just want to share on what that forgiveness is, because to many, forgiveness is something from the mind, it's an emotion, but we're just going to break that down from the Amplified Bible in the book of Matthew chapter 6, and show you something that maybe you had never recognized before, okay? So, let's uh, stay there. Forgiveness is a spiritual decision, listen carefully, to release the person, the entity, or the institution, or the group, if you want to term it as such, that betrayed you, it's canceling someone from the consequences of falling short of God's standard in your life. It's releasing resentment towards the very person or institution that exacted that real hurt to you. So we're not denying it, we're not minimizing it, but what we're saying, it no longer has the right to control my life. It also is releasing the right to get even, It's releasing the right to get bitter. It's releasing the right to hear the words, I'm sorry. Because some people say, well, I'll never forgive them until they say, I'm sorry. I read on MSN yesterday a a high-profile individual that's on a TV talk show, and she says, I will never forgive such and such for what he did. And like, there's many individuals that don't even realize that person that caused them harm and wrong, now he has the upper hand over their life and can control their life. That's why God hates it so much. It's also not being a doormat. Come on. It's not, if you want to call it, conditional. Forgiveness is not being conditional. It's not stuffing your anger. It's not based on what's fair. It's not excusing the wrong done to you. And it's not justifying the wrong that has been done. It's acknowledging it, but it's also acknowledging that it cannot, and I refuse it, to have the upper hand over my life. And I am convinced that, well, let me just say this here. In the book S.I. McMillan, in his book, None of These Diseases, he stated, this doctor said, the moment I start hating a person, I become that person's slave. I can't enjoy life. He controls my thoughts. I can't escape his or her grasp on my mind. And he or she may be many, many miles away, but they're always in my mind. So what they're saying over there is this person now has control over my life. Amen? The same person that I shared on MSN that I read about said, she said, is, uh, she said, there's No, that's not the one right here. Okay. This is what the the, the person said out there. I will never forgive them, and it's constantly on my mind every day. So in other words, it's the thing that is before them that is now controlling their life. Now, Jesus gave us the answer for this, and he doesn't just say it in Matthew's gospel, although we're going to read it in Matthew's gospel. Amen? And I want you to go, if you will now, to Matthew chapter 6. This is how Jesus said to pray, okay? Come on, let's say it together. Your, your will, Where at. Keep going down to verse 11. Come on. Our daily bread, come on. As, what's it say over there? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. What? Left, remitted, and let go of the debts And have given up resentment against our debtors. That's what the Talmud teaches. That's what your Bible teaches you today. Okay, go to verse number 13 and lead, bring us not into temptation, but... Now listen, don't try to take it out of its setting. When he speaks about lead us not into temptation, the temptation is to get hurt. The temptation is to get bitter. The temptation is to get resentful. You know what I've seen in my 43 years of ministry, what I've seen? I've seen whole churches have support groups for people that have been hurt. And all they do is nurture the hurt. They don't deal with the root of the hurt. They nurture the hurt. They feed the hurt. And they support the hurt. I'm going to tell you, can I, can I just go a little bit further here? And again, I've been in this city long enough. I've been in the church world long enough. What I've also seen that has gone on is people make decisions and they speak about others, but they never even heard the other side. So they're supporting a the hurts. They're supporting a bitter one. They're supporting a resentful one. And all they're doing is taking their side and never even heard the other side of the story. Proverbs 18:13 says spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. John 7:50 says Nicodemus the leader who had met with Jesus earlier spoke, "Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, it's quiet in here. Proverbs twelve fifteen, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the first to speak in a court, it sounds right until the cross examination begins. I'll be honest, what I've noticed. In dealing in church situations and problems is people often hear one side of the story, but they never go to hear the other side of the story and never call to hear anything. You know, there's a wise woman up on this platform that when she wanted to marry me, she wanted to make sure that everything was resolved in my past and find out the other side of the story. Come on, before ever even touching it. Are you all there? Because too many people, listen, you even go into a relationship, and you don't even know what happened. And then you go and get married to the person, and then the same problem is the same thing that comes up. Good preaching, PR. Thanks for your love. Amen. So let's get back here for just a moment. And lead, bring us not into temptation. Come on. But deliver us from the evil one. See that? Come on. Back up one more. 13. Just go back one more. Everybody read it. But deliver us from the evil one. Come on. For yours is the? Now, I, I'm going to tell you something to blow your bubble. The word for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Was not even in the original. That was added in many years later. And it's in the italics in the Bible. Okay. Jacqueline, I know you guys are up here. Uh, can you just tell me is that in italics? For yours is? Yeah. Okay. So it's in italics. That means it wasn't there in the original. Because one of the most important teachings of Jesus, I believe just in the translation they meant well, and I'm sure his is the power, the glory forever, amen. But one of the most important lessons that Jesus is giving us here is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now go to verse 14, and the new living brings it out this way. It goes right in. It doesn't have the other because it was at it. For if you forgive, come on, people, their trespasses, what happens? Their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment. What's going to happen? Your heavenly Father will free. Isn't that great news? But it's on condition. If you don't forgive others, well, look at the next verse. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them letting them go and giving up resentment neither will your father forgive your trespasses okay now we have some incredible people in this church right now okay i love julie and kevin and their family and everything else but julie how many times a day would you say the average christian would sin whether they know about it or don't know about it just an average joe <laughs> It would be a lot, okay? Rachel, just take a shot. Ten. Ten. That's, thank you, Rachel. That was the number that I had, okay? I asked Pastor Howie, I said, how many times? Say ten times a day. Everybody say ten times. You say, you don't know who I'm married to. Okay. Okay. We all, come on, how many can relate? Come on. How many can relate more than once? The rest of you don't think more than once? Man, I want to know who you're married to. I want to know what your life is all about, okay? Okay, so just think about that for just a moment. If they got hurt and they don't deal with it and they carry it for a whole year, all right? And apparently there's 365 days in a year. So that means you've got 3,650 sins you're carrying to the judgment. And they're not forgiven. I don't care how much of the in-him realities you can confess my Bible says, if you don't forgive them, I ain't forgiving you. Okay, so take it over a decade. And it goes from 3,620 to 36,000. So you're bringing 36,000 attitudes, 36,000 curses. Cursor, 36,000 resentment, 36,000 gossip, 36,000 exaggeration, 36,000 lies, 36,000 what you thought in your mind lost, uh, 36,000 sins are all there when you go to the judgment before God. Come on, because you don't have forgiveness. And again, I'm just being very, very straight And very because there's a message in the church world today that says everything is all dealt with. Everything is all paid for. Yes, it was dealt with at the cross. But just like salvation is provided for all, you need to be a recipient of what God did and his grace in your life. And you need to daily, listen very carefully, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. Or you're not a follower of Jesus like the word says. Our confession will bring possession. But listen, this isn't just a talk session. This is a walk session lifestyle. And so you think about in a decade, 36,000 sins coming up when you got to go stand before God. And God said, listen, I paid the price for this here. You are stuck. You're in imprisonment. You need to come to grips with it that you're in sin today. You're in rebellion today, and you need to take responsibility today and repent and receive God's grace and give it to them just as God freely gave it to the other. Give it to them. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, I, don't, I can't do that. No, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God inside you, and that Spirit prods you. That Spirit is saying, yes, go. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you will do it today. And yes, your freedom is here. And yes, the prison bars are over. And yes, your past is not going to haunt you or taunt you or control you any longer in the future than I have for you. Because the future he has is bright. The future is good. The future is hopeful. The future is confident. But you're stuck. Until you deal today with the situation and those that have fed you and say, you know, God, they don't deserve it. That's right. They never said they're sorry. That's right. But God, I'm giving it because your word tells me to do it, and there's an ability for me to do it, not by my might, not by my power, but by your Holy Spirit. And I want to be led by your Spirit, and your Spirit says it's time to put that thing down. It's time to take the ax, cut the root, bring it down, and move forward in life in peace. Get your joy back. Get back on the path of life, and get that person off your life.
0: And everybody said, amen. You know, when people do stuff to us or hurt us in some way, we are very, very disappointed. We feel hurt. We feel wounded. Happens. Because they don't measure up to the standard we think they should. But you know what? When you look at Jesus on the cross and look at his standard, every day we fall short of God's standard. So that means every day we disappoint him, right? Right? We disappoint him. If, we're, if his love, and if he loves us contingent, contingent on us, living up to his standard every minute of every day, we're in trouble. Come on, Ken. But he is love, and so therefore he loves us. And he wants us to love, not just love others, but he said love others as we love ourselves. <clears throat> so we have to love ourselves. <throat> Meaning we can't beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves because we fall short but we have to go and and receive his forgiveness and his righteousness and receive his love so that we can love others. But if we don't love ourselves, we're going to have trouble loving others. And as we judge and condemn others, we do so to ourselves in our own hearts. And so we have to understand. I want to read something here. It It says, people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. Mother Teresa. It clicks. Excuse me. What's the matter? (laughs) I have to practice what I preach here. Okay. Awesome example. (laughs) People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow, but do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough, but give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. That's right. By Mother Teresa. <laughs>
1: awesome. Let's stand. We're yes. going to have communion. <laughs> and I, honestly, I, I want to challenge you today. If you say, you know, Rick, Kathy, it's where I'm at. It's where I'm at. And you say, but I don't want to be in that any longer. I don't want to support that any longer. I want it broken off my life. I want it. I, I'm convinced, there's no question in my mind, that we're saying today what I believe the Holy Spirit said to say. And, and, and we're going to break bread here. And the Bible says, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you just show the Lord's death till I come. But he also said over there, examine yourself how you are treating one another, how you're treating the body. And if there's anything going on inside and you say, you know what? You just hit a chord. You made me mad. Praise God. Amen. We hit it where it counts. I want you just to come on down and break bread down here with us today. Anybody here, just, just come on down wherever you're at. And you know, you know that you know that you know that there's things in your life that you have to let go today. You know that there's people in your life you have to let go today. You know that there's things that people have done to you that you have to let go today. And it's a challenge. Come on right up. Come on right up. Come on right up. And God is here. And God is going to forgive. God is going to release his forgiveness to you. There's going to make room, guys. Just come as close as you can to the front. I believe there's many others. And I'm going to tell you one of the main reasons I know why forgiveness doesn't happen. It's our pride. It's our pride we're afraid what people are going to think or we're afraid that they're going to agree that this is okay. Kathy said that's not what it is. That's not what it is. And there's many others that you don't even realize the the ability and the power that's inside of you when you just as these came up they're taking a step of faith and they're saying I'm I'm walking with God. My walk with God is more important to me. My joy is more important, my peace inside is more important than what they said about me, what they did to me, and how they hurt me. And when you make that decision, I'm telling you, man, it's, there's a release that comes on the inside. You're coming out of the prison. Amen? Amen? Amen. And this is a word that I had yesterday as I was just meditating on this. I already had the guts from the plane, but God said to me today, and those watching by live stream, you just connect in with us right now, and you be a part of this time. He said... He said, the Holy Spirit said there was people so angry at the betrayal that hit their life, and now that anger is in control and is, ra- is a raging fernal on the inside. He said, it's now out of control, and it's coming out and just burst and shortness, and, and, and it's just there's, there's nothing there restraining it, and you're scared, and you're scared. And God's saying, this is why you're here today. And he said, the Holy Spirit brought you here today to be set free from the torment that you lived in. And there's somebody specific that needs you. And it was 11 years. It has been 11 years since it happened. And that torment has just consumed your mind. It's 11 years. And he said, the Holy Spirit's given opportunity after opportunity for you to get out of the rut, Yet you time and time again, you've excused it. You've minimized it, and you don't see it. And God, and I wrote these down, I got it in capitals of mine. It's a major blind spot, and it's why people are avoiding you, and you don't even understand why. Because it's consumed your life. So everybody bow your head. And if you're out there, and you say, Pastor Rick, I need to be down there, but I've just been... I've been afraid. I've never, never went down into me. I want to give you one more chance to come because God doesn't want you another day in torment. God doesn't want you another day in a prison house. He wants you to come. So if there's anyone else, you just know you need to be down here. This is your moment. This is your time. I'm just sensing there's people breaking out in a sweat right now. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm just admonishing you just to come. And as you come, God's going to release things off of your life. And you're, gonna, you're just going to see different. You're going to see people differently. You're going to see life differently. You're going to see relationships healed. You're going to see a big, big turnaround. Thank you, sir. And there's others here. Praise God.
0: Praise God. Go ahead right in, Kath. They're coming. Father, on. we just thank you that you are with us and that you are love. And that you've called us to love people. To love you first. Holy to Spirit. love ourselves and to love others. Say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father. Mm. I come to you right now, and I want you to cleanse my heart from every area where I have not chosen to walk in love, where I have judged, where I have said things, thought things, done things to hurt others because of maybe what they did to me. Father, I choose to forgive. I choose to let it go. And I choose to love them as you love me. So I take this bread and I thank you for the body of Jesus Christ that set the standard of how I am to love others even when they hurt me. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Now, I don't say this often, but there's a wave of healing that's going on right now in this church there's a wave of healing. Receive it. Receive it right now. Just receive that healing. Receive that healing. I'm seeing vices just snapped right now. Vices that have been over your mind that have just kept you depressed, kept you obsessed. I break them. I break every one of the chains. I break every one of the lies. I break every one of the strongholds represented here. Father, there's been repentance. Father, there's been the cleansing of the blood. And I invoke the blood of Jesus over and around everyone and I say be loose today be loosed in your minds be loosed in your hearts I command the healing begin to lay hands leaders that are here begin to lay hands on them right now begin there's a tangible healing that's going on in the room right now arthritis is being broken off people diabetes is being broken off people tumors are shrinking right before tumors are shrinking in Jesus' name every disease God not 99 percent 100 percent begin to lay hands Jack Lynn and others Julie come on lay. just begin to lay hands Cap begin to lay hands begin Dr. Chukes, come and lay hands just command that healing don't pray for the healing command it it's here it's resident in the room father with the blood we apply it now over our hearts over our minds over our bodies over our homes over our marriages in Jesus name we receive it now partake partake of that blood it's forgiven you it's cleaning you now give it give it to the one that didn't deserve it give it to the one that's caused you shame give it to the one that you said ruined your life give it to the one that betrayed you give it to that one today give it to that one and just watch the touch of God Watch what God does in your life. Watch the strength of God come on your life. Let's partake together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just join hands with me. Just join hands, as everybody around you. Just join the, the row behind us and the row in front. Just join hands, everyone. Now, Father, I lay hands on everyone. Oh, sakatana bagana, bagana, sakatana bagata. Let the presence of God, Father, hit everyone in this room, everyone in this house. Father God, let the healing power of the Christ burn out, drive out oppressions, depressions, sickness, disease, infirmities, release of your assignment today. We plead the blood over everyone in Jesus' name. Now just join, just join. Oh, mandala sa let it go, Father. Flow in. Flow in, Holy Spirit. Touch them. Just touch them. Touch them. Touch them today. Touch them today. Restore them today. The turnabout today. There's releases of finances right now going on. Releases of finances. God says when you bring your offering out, Shikata, and there you remember that your brother has ought against you. He said, go, first be reconciled, and then come and worship and bring your offering. Father, in Jesus' name, I break the curse, I break the torment, I break all the evil, I break all the incantations, the witchcraft, I break that sorcery spirit off them. In Jesus' name, somebody been messing around in the occultic, I break that stuff i severed sever the iniquities by the blood of the Son of Man, the Son of God. Be severed today. Be free today. Be healed today. Be restored today. Be made whole today. Be free today from the prison of your mind. In Jesus' name. Everybody begin to thank God. Lift up your voices and begin to thank God. Begin to honor God. Begin to worship God begin to just invoke the presence of God. You're going to experience God again. You're going to feel God again. You're going to experience God. There's some of you going to have an emotional rush of the presence of God. Hallelujah. God's calling us as a church to a higher place. God's calling us as a church back to the Word of God. That's the living writ. He's calling us back, back to the Word of God. There's dry bones in the house today, and God's sending a refreshing to them. He's putting it in the deep depths of your heart. He's drawing you closer, drawing you closer, drawing you closer. I see faces that are being removed from before your very eyes. And now you're going to get face to face with God. And as you're face to face with God, the joy is being increased in your life. I see a spiritual thermometer like I've seen in the Philippines that is breaking off the charge. It's breaking off the top. It's breaking because there's no more limits on it. God's seeing the unlimited. God is working now in your life, in your heart, in your marriage, in your home. He's sparking things. He's igniting things. There's wayward sons that are coming back to the fold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be it done, Dad. Be it done. Be it done, Dad. Be it done. The cloud and it's been a dark cloud is lifted off your life. It's lifted off your life. And you will experience a shift in the atmosphere. The climate in the homes is going to be different. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you today. Thank you today.